So um, uh, one of the ways that we can fight for joy is in our rejoicing. And today, this morning, we're going to continue in our series in uh, fighting for joy. And uh, we're going to be talking about how living in spiritual freedom produces joy. How living in spiritual freedom produces joy. Um, You'll remember our memory verses, simpler than... 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, by a long shot, a lot simpler than that. Uh, Be joyful always. Be joyful always. Uh, Romans 12, 12a. uh, Be joyful in hope. Did you hear uh, Vince's testimony? He was like, uh, ministry is good, but it's hard. Be joyful in hope. Um, Turning your Bibles with me. Uh, living in freedom leads to joy. Living in freedom leads to joy. Turning your Bibles with me to page 1773 for our scripture reading this morning. 1773. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. These are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Living in freedom leads to joy. I want to talk just for a minute at the beginning of this service about what liberty is and what liberty is not. It dawned on me this week, um, this, this truth that I seldom think about. Liberty always exists under authority because we are created beings and not the creator. Uh, only the, the creator, the maker of heaven and earth has total liberty. Every other being is under authority. Now, we're all born into some country. We're born subject to that country's laws. 
We're born into some family, whether it, uh, and, and we live there, whether it's an adopted family or natural family and we're subject to them. You might have brothers and sisters that rule with an iron fist like I did. In addition to parents, I felt like I had two sets of parents. Come on, Pastor Badger, you with, with, you with me, right? You go to college and then you're under the, the administration and uh, I was sitting uh, recently at the, the police commissioner for the college. They got a, uh, the students are so bad these days. Well, they were bad back in the day, back in Champaign. Students are so bad. They got a police commissioner just for the campus. We're under authority. And even you go to jobs and there's, they got employee manuals and so forth that if you violate these standards, they'll, they'll terminate you. And even if you're a tyrannical uh, dictator, right, there's certain things that you can do that the, 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 the community of nations will come together. And if you violate the principles by which their world peace um, is established, the community of nations will come together and discipline you. I'm here to tell you that we are all living under um, this authority. So, if you're going to enjoy liberty, it must be enjoyed within these bounds. So now, into this reality, Jesus Christ comes into human history. He comes to give men and women, he comes to give people real liberty. He comes to give us freedom from the tyranny of external laws that can't even rein our hearts in if they want it. And he comes to give us freedom from our internal cravings and our disordered desires created by sin in the world. He comes to give us freedom from the external laws which really can rein us in, in our internal cravings of the flesh he dies to make us sons and daughters. Through faith in him and through the gift of his Holy Spirit, love and obedience can reign in your heart and you no longer need to be held captive by the two main things that pr produce slavery in us, external laws and the internal flesh. In Christ we are free to serve him in love. And out of this love comes a real joy. Joy springs from this spiritual reality. So I want to say to you this morning that living in freedom is what uh, uh, produces real joy. And I see in this text, verses 13 through 26, three things that kind of undergird that main proposition. They are this, that living in freedom requires a choice that God has, has made you a free moral agent. And you can choose, you can't choose to be sub, uh, uh, under submission, but you can choose what you're going to be submitted to. That there's a choice that you've got. Free, living in freedom requires a brutal death. There's certain things that have to be put to death so that you can serve one master. Thirdly, living in freedom requires you to live in step with the Spirit. It requires you to live in unison with God. These are the three things I want to talk about. First, let's talk about living in freedom requires the choice. Galatians 5, 13 through 16. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Does that give you hope? Th that God didn't call you to be in bondage, but he, told, he called you to have the maximum amount of liberty that a human being could possibly have and still accomplish the design for which he was made. You, you were called to be free. 
Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I see in this text that there's kind of three things. Uh, uh, We can choose to live a life directed towards gratifying our cravings and desires, or we can choose to live as God created us to love and serve others, and the results of the choice will be obvious. When I was in college uh, at the University of Illinois, I, I, I didn't choose to walk according to love. I chose to walk according to the flesh. Now, when I got saved, when I came to repentance and faith at around age 23, 24, I thought I wasn't going to have to make that choice anymore. I thought that when the Spirit came upon me that all the things that I was doing that now I'm ashamed to talk about from the college years, I thought now that the Spirit was in me, it would just be automatic. It would just be easy. I would have this freedom and be able to obey what was good and right and not have to struggle. And then I learned the next day, I was like, oh, I still got to do that. And so do you. You've got to make a choice. And, the, and the, here's the thing, the results of your choice is obvious. You might think that you're hiding and so forth, but the results of the choice that you make are obvious. The acts of the flesh are obvious. That's a nasty list. And I warn you, Paul says, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God, but there is a positive It's also obvious when you choose to walk according to the Spirit because the results of that will be love and joy and peace and forbearance. That's patience, kindness with people, goodness, the ability to choose what is good and right and fair, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there, there is no law. I began thinking about this myself, and I asked myself, in the last few weeks or so, what are some good examples of people that I know are walking in Christ, that are walking in step with the Spirit, that are walking in freedom? And I got to thinking about a couple ones. And uh, one example was from uh, an, an elder of our church. And they, for about three, four year period, they have been faithfully ministering to a member of our congregation that had some mental illness and severe physical illness, and they were pouring their lives, their money, their time. They were, became friends and fellowship three, four years just looking for just some semblance of a breakthrough. And, and, and this woman slowly but surely began, began to believe God's goodness and began to, to change and, and um, ended up leaving our fellowship. And then, then recently, the person called on this elder and needed some help. And I got to thinking to myself, I was like, oh my God. Uh, I was like, this elder's older. They've been pouring out their lives in, to, to this person. If they, if they felt like me, they would have been like, oh God, when is this ever going to be over? And this elder was like, nope. They chose forbearance. And this person had another need. They couldn't meet it themselves. They rallied some troops around them. 
and went out to meet the need. And, 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 and they, don't, they don't know this because I haven't talked to them about it, but this produced a joy in me that the love of God in the saints is making a difference in the world. To those whom people would reject and cast off, Christians say, no, I'll step in one more time with self-sacrificial love, trying to produce peace. And this built up a joy in my life. I thought about another group of people at our church that went to Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge was hit uh, here recently with water damage even more difficult than the hurricanes from the past. And we sent some people there to help though the least of these to rebuild their houses. I thought of another elder, 50 years of wedding, 50 years of marriage, they're about to celebrate. Uh, They came into my office and they said, we wanna celebrate, but we wanna tell the testimony of how God changed us so that we could bless him. We want to, we want to say, this, our marriage wasn't perfect, but we see how God changed us, strengthened us to make this 50 years possible. I want to say that walking in the Spirit is a choice that you have to make each and every day. That's the first point, walking in the Spirit is a choice. Here's the second one. Living in freedom requires a brutal death. Galatians in 5.24 puts it this way. It says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and the desires. Uh, Colossians 3 and 5 says, put to death whatever belongs of your earthly nature. There's this tension that every person who comes to faith in Jesus Christ has been identified with the death, burial, and resurrection The scripture says that we have been baptized into his death. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And that we've also been baptized into this life of love and goodness. So that's that's a true thing. That's a reality that anyone who has accepted Jesus has died to sin. You gotta embrace that. But the second thing you gotta embrace is the tension which is that you've got to keep on putting the flesh to death over and over again. The cravings and compulsions of our flesh are strong and they must be put to death. We have the world and its system to deal with. We have our internal flesh to deal with. We have Satan who knows our weaknesses to deal with. And so we've constantly got to be on the attack. We've got to be aware. We've got to be doing battle. And I want to say to you, this is my first major application. When Luther uh, put his 95 thesis uh, on the church walls in Germany in the 1500s, uh, if people remember the 95, this was the very first thesis. This is it. He says, all of life is repentance and faith. Uh, people who uh, uh, get tired of Christian witness and preachers, they say, they keep telling us that we are wicked and that we've got to repent. The truth is, it's worse than that. They got to keep on repenting. You and me got to keep on repenting because of these bodies that we're in, because of the culture that we're steeped in, because of the enemy, the spiritual enemy. You and I've got to keep on repenting. If anyone says that he's not a sinner, he's a liar, and the truth is not in him, but if, if you will confess your sins, 
that God is just and he'll forgive you and he'll cleanse you from all wickedness. You've got to keep on as a matter of life. I think that what you've got to learn how to do is you've got to learn how to sack your sins. Now, I'm an armchair quarterback in football. And my theory on how to beat the Patriots and Tom Brady was simple. I said, in the fourth quarter, David, in the fourth quarter, you got to sack Tom Brady. Right? In the fourth quarter, because in the fourth quarter, man, he's ready to go. You might be down by 20 points, but if he's got the spread and he's got an offensive line, and if he's got the ball, he's going to score on you. Somebody's got to sack him if they're going to beat him. And this is how it is with sin. Somebody's got to sack. We've got to consistently sack sin. And I want to suggest to you that there's four things that you need to pay attention to. The first is self-awareness. The question you've got to ask yourself every day is this, what am I giving my heart to? What am I giving my heart to? Second question, accountability. Who am I talking to about this? Every Christian has got to have some good spiritual friends. You've got to, it's a mandatory. Well, I just don't have any, well, you're going to have to take some risks and build some friendships and be transparent in your uh, small group, whether it's a high point small group or a crew small group or that group of people that you get with over the Bible at work, whatever, their neighbors that are Christians, whatever group it is, you need to take some risk and tell them, I'm really doing battle with this thing here. There's got to be accountability. Who can I talk to about this? Here's the, I, I've got a, a passion. There is a, there's a sexual purity group for the men that Vince has started. And what's happening is they're sacking some sexual sins. They're becoming aware. They're asking each other, you know, who is controlling my heart? What am I giving my heart to? They have people to, to be accountable to. They're confessing their sins, and they're doing it over and over. And here's the thing. I want a woman to stand up and start a group for the women. As soon as that group was started, a single woman on our staff came and said, hey, I would want one of these for the women. And I back of my head, I said, like, man, me too. <laughs> me too. And a woman, a godly woman, maybe a woman who's had to do battle with this, and it's maybe not fully delivered, but working through it right now. That person needs to get involved and start a group so that there can be sacking going on, that there can be some self-awareness, some accountability, some confession. And in that confession, it needs to be twofold, talking about sacking sin. That confession needs to be twofold. It needs to be, yes, being honest with your friend to pray for you and with God that I've done this, but it also needs to confess who you are. That's why we sing those songs. I will rejoice in the Lord. I know things might be difficult. I know there might be some heartache. I know there isn't perfect. I will rejoice in the Lord because I will remember his love and his grace towards me. Wifey, I will rejoice in the Lord. In and out, good days and bad days. Aching back or not, from all that work you want me to do around the house, aching back or not, I will rejoice in the Lord. There needs to be some confession. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a strong mind. God has given me every spiritual blessing. I am holy. I am sanctified. I am a, a spiritual, a part of the spiritual priesthood. 
There needs to be some uh, confession of sin and some confession of power. Come on, talk back with me. That's why we have the, con- the great confessions of the Apostles' Creed. We need to confess some things about God and what God has done for us. There needs to be some confession in our sacking and the K. We need to keep going. There's grace. What, cr- what Christ has accomplished on the cross, even though you've been doing battle with that thing, that, with that insecurity, the other problem, even though you've been doing battle, be aware, have some accountability, confess, and keep going because grace will meet you there. Because I want you to be spared from this. To not obey the command to sack your sin is to live a miserable Christian life. To try to serve two gods, I think the devil is satisfied when he can get us serving at least two gods. If he can get you saying that you're a Christian, but walking according to the flesh, he knows that's gonna destroy our testimony and the testimony of the church, I think the enemy is satisfied with that. So that we don't live in that kind of misery, which is the opposite of the joy that God has given us in Christ, we need to continuously sack sin. Living in freedom requires you to live in step with the Spirit. Sacking sin allows you to live in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says this, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Here's the challenge of being a Christian. It requires us to walk by faith. I've never seen Jesus, but I've seen his impact on my family. I've seen his impact on my life. I've seen his impact on the church. I've seen his impact on sinners. I've never seen Jesus Pastor Badger, I never seen him, but I gotta walk in step with the Spirit. What that means is that you've gotta recognize that you are in relationship with him. You've got to understand your identity in Christ. This is how Paul says it in, in, in Galatians 4. You've gotta understand your identity in Christ if you're gonna walk in step with the Spirit. What I'm saying is that as long, that as, long as an heir is underage, He is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, here's the metaphor. There's a child, he's not become of of age to receive his inheritance, and he's under um, the the help of a governor of of sorts, right? Or or he's under the the tutelage of his parents. He's, He's still a slave because he can't operate in freedom yet. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when you were without Christ, when you were, were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world, the sinfulness of the world, the cravings of the flesh, the, 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 de- the devil and his deeds. 
the, the law on the outside trying to restrain us. We were under all these elementary forces, and Christ came to free us from that. You were under these elementary forces, but when the set time had come, when Christ came, God sent Jesus, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law of sin of death, that we might receive adoption to sonship, to being a child of God, daughtership, it would be perfectly legitimate here. Because you are his, his children, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave to sin. You're no longer subject to the external controls and, con and constraints. Now you have power. You can love God uh, out of devotion. And you can serve in righteousness freely. Not with a, a, a manual. The Bible isn't this manual. I got to look up to understand how I'm supposed to live it out. No, I'm to understand with my understanding and see situations. And I'm to negotiate the situation. That's why I, like, I love basketball. It's a game that you got to negotiate the situations and the circumstances. Sometimes you got to pass. Sometimes you got to shoot. Sometimes you got to defend. Sometimes you got to block shot. There's no manual. You learn the basics and then you free flow. And so we free flow in the spirit because we are no longer longer children. We are adult, we are adult children. No longer slaves, but we're free. You see, when I go to my mom's house on the west side of Madison, if my mom is not home, I can go in and I can make dinner. I can sleep in her bed if she's not there. I can operate, right, because I'm a son. In fact, everything, she's almost 80, everything, she's 87, holy moly. The Lord has been good to me. She's 87. Everything that's left there is for me and my brothers and sisters. We are heirs. And she has invested her life. And you know, my mom is not concerned, to be honest with you, with whether I can manage that little house on the west side that she's going to leave behind. She's really concerned how I'm going to manage my faith in Jesus that she left behind. She's glad that I'm stuck with my wife for 30 years and that I'm raising my children in Jesus Christ and that I'm, I'm content, I'm devoted to Jesus Christ because that's the inheritance, come on, that's the inheritance we really want for the children. And take care of your house and cars too. I'm free, my mom doesn't worry when I go home, if I take her car, she knows by experience that I'm going to bring it back. That's the freedom that you have. That's what walking in spirit is, that you have a relationship with God. You know him if you are a Christian and you are growing in him and he trusts you with spiritual riches and you trusted him with your life. That's walking in step with the spirit. So we've got to do this. The second application is, I want to say to you that walking in step with the Spirit maybe it's a little boring. It requires you to live an ordinary Christian life well. And that's why Pastor Nick has been talking so much about are you happy in the ordinary? Uh, now, I love to meditate on the scripture. 
And I, I promise you that I get some special revelation when I take some time to read a verse like walk in the spirit and meditate on it. And God will give me some things I hadn't had before about that. And I love to worship God. Sometimes I turn on YouTube and go from genre to genre, just worshiping God. And I can, if I was discouraged when I started, after an hour of listening to good Christian music on YouTube, my heart has been lifted, right? But what I want to say to you is that walking in the spirit is not mystical. What it really requires is devotion. Let me show you. Acts 2, 42 through 47. The very first Christians walking in the spirit, they walked in the spirit and it wasn't mystical. It required love for Jesus and love for the saints. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. That is probably communion, but it also could be a simple meal. And to praying for each other and for the work of God in their midst. And everyone was filled with awe at what God was doing through the works of the apostles. And all the believers were together. Sometimes I'll talk to Christians about um, the importance of joining a church. Literally this week, I met a man in his 40s who told me, I came to Madison as a college student, and I'm a Christian, and I didn't join the church because I wasn't going to stay. And then after college, I went to grad school, and I didn't join the church that I was attending because I wasn't going to stay for long. And then after that, I got a job in Madison, but it wasn't my dream job. I wasn't going to stay, so I didn't join the church. And this guy is 40 years old. It's been floating around, not really connected to the formational community that calls it in substance, not growing in love and goodness and self-control because there's no accountability, no good spiritual friends. And he was like, yeah, Lord, I've made a mistake. Don't make that mistake. You don't know if you're going to be here for three years or the whole distance. Why are we laughing? We don't know. But you need to be grounded in the church, whether God has you here for a short period of time or he's got you here till you die. You need to be in the spiritual uh, community. You, you need to have a group of people around you that are holding you accountable to some fundamental things, some fundamental things like fellowship. Something happens when you're around godly people who love Jesus, something, a joy bubbles up, a relationship commences that's not possible when I went to work at AmFam. I loved my job, and I loved the people that were there. But when I get in fellowship with people that know Jesus and that know me, something's different. You need some fellowship. And there's a prayer. And that's, there's a prayer for me and there's prayer for you. There's a prayer for, the, for, the, for what's going on. And that can't happen if you're not in community. Nobody can really pray for you if you're not in community, if you don't know them well. Right? And then there's, you need to grow. You need to come and listen to my bad sermons and some of Nick's better sermons. You need to come to some Sunday classes. You need to grow in your understanding of the gospel, your knowledge of scripture. You need to grow and you need to be missional. And not just supporting missionaries like Vince, which you need to do, but how to be an everyday missionary in the work around you. To be able to see when God has opened up a door where you can share your testimony and invite somebody to church. You need to be missional. You need to be serving. Pastor Nick talked about this. March 12th, we're going to have this Engage and Equip Live. 
For everyone who serves, we're asking you to choose a ministry that's your main service and come and be built into a Calvary. Pastor Nick says, the problem with the church isn't a lack of vision, it's a lack of soldiers. One of my good friends wrote a book, he called, can I call you a soldier? He, was, he, he has a tutoring ministry all across the nation dealing with these boys that don't have fathers. And, and he called a charge to, to men. He said, can I call you a soldier? Can I call you a soldier? Are you going to be involved in fellowship, in prayer, in growth, in the knowledge of the scriptures, in everyday missionary life, and in serving? Can I call you a soldier? You need to be a part of the missionary family, the formational community. Living in freedom leads to joy. It requires a choice. You got a choice. You're a free moral agent. I wish you could just make it once, but you have to make it every day. It, it requires a brutal death to the things that want to enslave you. They, there's something that wants you to be a, try to be a, a, a servant to both God and the flesh. You can't. So some, the flesh has got to die. It requires a brutal death. It requires you to live in step with the Spirit to be able to, to, to know your identity in Christ and to walk in that identity in Christ. And I'll leave you with this. Max Lucado is an evangelist. He pastors a very large church in San Antonio, Texas. He is a prolific author, and he writes a daily devotional. And my wife sent me this particular one about three weeks ago, and I will, this will close this sermon. He says, it's a new day, and the choice of joy is yours. It's quiet, it's early, my coffee is hot. Now he's assuming that you're a morning person like me. Now I know some of you are not. So do pretend with me if you're not. <laughs> My coffee is hot, the sky is black. The world is still asleep and the day is coming. In a few minutes the day will arrive. It will roar down the track with the rising of the sun. The stillness of the dawn will be exchanged for the noise of the day. The calm of solitude will be replaced by the pounding pace of the human race. The refuge of the early morning will be invaded by decisions to be made and deadlines to be met and papers to be graded and papers to be turned in. For the next 12 hours, I will be exposed to the day's demand. It is now that I must make a choice. Because I am a child of God and I'm free to choose, I, so I choose. I choose love. No occasion justifies hatred. No injustice warrants bitterness. I choose that love. Today I will love God and I will love what God loves. I choose joy. I will invite my God to be the God of my circumstances. I will refuse the temptation to be cynical, the tool of the lazy thinker. I will refuse to see people as anything less than human beings created in the image of God. I will refuse to see any problem as anything less than an opportunity to see God. I will choose peace. I will live forgiven, and I will forgive so that I may live. I choose patience. I will overlook the inconveniences of the world. Instead of cursing the one who takes my place, I will invite him to do so. Rather than complain that the wait is too long, I will thank God for the moment to pray. 
Instead of clenching my fists at new assignments, I will face them with joy and courage. I choose kindness. I'll be kind to the poor, for they are alone. I'll be kind to the rich because they are afraid, and kind to the unkind, for such is how God treats me. I will choose goodness. I will go without a dollar before I take a dishonest one. I'll be overlooked before I boast. I will confess before I will accuse. I choose goodness. I choose faithfulness. Today, I will keep my promises. I will pay my college debts. Well, I added that in because of the college students and some of the ones who graduated. My debtors will not regret their trust. My associates will not question my word. My, my wife will not question my love. Happy Valentine's Day, wifey. My life will never question my love, and my children will never fear that their father will not come home. I choose gentleness. Nothing is won by force. I choose to be gentle. If I raise my voice, it'll be because I'm preaching in a sermon and I'm getting compassionate. May it be only in praise. If I clench my fist, may it be only in prayer. If I make a demand, may it be only of myself. And lastly, I choose self-control. I'm a spiritual being. And after this body is dead, my spirit will soar, friend. Surely. I refuse to let what will rot rule the eternal. That's powerful. I refuse to let what will rot rule the eternal. You're free in Christ. I will be impassioned only by faith. I will be influenced only by God. I will be taught only by Jesus. I choose self-control. And I will be drunk only by joy. And this is because living in freedom leads to joy. Let us pray. Lord, this is a fantastic promise, man, Lord, you've given us. You've given us a fantastic promise. And what you said is in you, we have maximum freedom that we can not only uh, be blessed by walking in the spirit out of love, we can see your blessings flourish and impact our families, our church, our communities, our workplaces, foreign nations. We can see the kingdom of God flourish with our own eyes. And we can say that our Father did it. What a joy it is to be a child and a daughter, a son of God, and to have your love wash over us. Bless us, help us, Lord, to recognize that living in freedom brings joy. In Christ's name I pray, amen.